0: hear from Beth McCormick of Beerman Law today. Number one divorce and family law attorney in the country. Chances are if your life outside of work is messy and in shambles, so will be your business. You'll hear from Beth on how to keep your life and your business moving forward in a non-emotional and healthy way. Beth will explain how to get through these weeds and get onto your next. thanks so much for being here I um, am a little slightly intimidated by your amazing brainpower of law What we're gonna talk about but uh, I'm excited for everybody to hear some of your things thanks for having
1: me I'm super excited
0: all right so um, you don't get titles like the billion-dollar divorce lawyer and uh, some of the really fancy accolades you have um, after your name and be so uh, sort of imminent about not loving the whole traditional divorce proceeding. Mm. So tell us how you reinvented the model in your law firm, which I think is so fascinating the way you go about uh, one of the parts of law you practice is divorce, Um, you know, getting couples successfully separated.
1: Yeah. So I try to do it differently. I've practiced for 32 years and about 15 years ago. I um, was realizing that I was not living my life congruently between my personal life and my business life. I couldn't go home to my daughter every day proud of what I did that day. Um, Nature by its divorce, you're hurting someone. And um, I had a moment where I um, decided that I wanted to shift who I was professionally to match who I am personally. And so I started, started doing trainings in mediation and collaborative law, which is a completely different mindset and model for how to divorce. And I'm doing that now exclusively, but I bring in a ton of litigation because couples think they want to fight. So I have a firm that allows us to do litigation or any softer kind of divorce, which is mediation or collaborative law.
0: So literally, um, some of the stories you've shared—not not the you know details or names—but I, I find it interesting how, you know, sometimes the people with the more stuff, more assets, more things are also the hardest bargain for you. How do you disarm these um, two people so they can sort of get to what they're there for to begin with—is to you know close out that chapter and, and move forward?
1: Right. So. The idea is to deescalate in whatever way that couple can best deescalate, right? So I try to get to know them from the minute I meet the person that wants to hire me. So I look at them through each of their lenses, right? So let's pretend I'm meeting with the woman. The woman's telling me all about their story, but I wanna understand who he is so that I can better understand how to recommend that they divorce. Sometimes it's very clear, there's no way that they could do a soft divorce. Inevitably, I can usually settle, most divorce lawyers settle cases, just so everybody knows. You think you wanna fight in court, 95% of cases, probably higher than that, settle. Eventually, it's just a matter of when the people have decided they've had enough. So one of the lines I often say is, you can put your kid through college or mine, but ultimately, (laughs) I hope it's your kid um, because I don't need the fight. This isn't for me. So that's kind of how I built my reputation where I can de escalate almost any couple. When
0: I heard your model, which um, I think everybody thinks the business of law is um, charge by the hour and charge each hour twice, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the way that you have structured this, where you're, I call you the kind of GC of the project, you know, general contractor, you are calling in the financial advisors, the MNA experts to sell possibly the assets, but also the therapist and the, the healing team right. to get everyone through it. So in that model, um, how do you get paid for dishing out all that business you're dishing out?
1: You ask the question that my law partners ask me, like how are you gonna make money because I do outsource everything because I'm not equipped to do a financial plan, as an example. I have a financial advisor in every one of my cases. Similarly, on the psychological side, I know enough to be dangerous, I know what I have to know, but at the end of the day, a coach or a therapist is better equipped to deal with the emotion. Inevitably, divorce lawyers traditionally will listen for hours to all the emotion. There's no solution legally to hearing all of that emotion. I can run into court and I could probably get you a court order to make him nice. No, that's not how it works. I could have him removed from the house. I could do lots of things legally, but very rarely does anything in a divorce matter need to be done in the law. So it's fascinating for people to actually learn that, you know, obviously the high conflict couples, we have to have a court rule on everything. That's actually easy. I did that for a long time. It's, I could do that in my sleep. It's crafting and a plan that helps people stay out of their own way. I like that it has a title,
0: high conflict couples. It makes me think about probably the strongest thing you lean on of set is psychology. For sure. So you're um, a psychologist that's, you know, paid three times more than what a psychologist would be or four times, whatever the number is. So you have this legal background, which is really what you go to study. Um, But it's used, if I'm hearing you right, a little bit less than the psychology lien that is really the whole play.
1: 100%. I was just (laughs) talking to a colleague this morning about the fact that I did a presentation on the art of the intake and for divorce lawyers. And they looked at me like I had three eyes when I said, you really don't have to do anything other than ask questions. Every human just wants to be heard. So inevitably I'd have clients leave saying, I've been on all these consultations, but I've never felt heard. Well, that's what I do differently. And I try to impart that wisdom on others in my firm, the importance of actually listening. That's all it is. Legally, I have all kinds of advice to give you. I will give it to you. But in that first meeting, nobody can hear anything. They're overwhelmed with the emotion. So that's kind of psychology 101, right? Every human wants to be heard.
0: I am so fascinated by you know your business because no different than when I'm working with my team, the way I listen to my drivers is different than my sales team, different yeah. than my production team. But I always try to tell my managers just ask more questions. Don't get the prescription pad out, which in our world is just, you know, like, okay, I heard what you said, cut the wood on the 45, do this and make the frame. But it's the same thing you're saying. Exactly. I think you can never get in trouble when you're just, you hear what someone says and you ask a follow-up question. That's right. And it's so interesting that, do you think your couples, I mean, whether they're high conflict or not, they come away and they realize you're different at meeting one?
1: For sure. And I think it's sometimes hard for them to articulate what made me different, but I know it's because they felt hurt. I can load them up with all kinds of law. And again, because they are paying a lot per hour, there needs to be a takeaway as the traditional thinking. I'll give you the takeaway. It's just that first, in that first meeting, you can't hear anything because you're flooded with emotion, you're here for a divorce. The hardest thing you'll go through in your life, emotionally, God willing, and um, you just wanna be heard. So if I just spew all the law to you, you're not going to feel validated or heard. Ultimately, I have ways that I give them the law, but I do that in writing because they need to be able to look at that later after they've been able to calm themselves down. And then inevitably, of course, I go through what the law is. They need to know what to expect. So my roadmap to completion is something that I have a whole process, much like any business owner that they can actually see. So they leave knowing when they're going to hear all the details. So in, in, when you, you mentioned sort of
0: just like any business to when you, you kind of sign up these clients and you go through
1: that process, what's an average life cycle of that order? So we call it the crystal ball question. Inevitably, how much is this going to cost and how long will it take? And again, I'm assessing in that first meeting, every good divorce lawyer will tell you, I could tell you how this should end within the first five minutes. If I'm looking at what the assets are, what the family dynamic is, I can tell you how it should end, but it's the emotion that you have to tease out in order to help them figure it out. But I have cases that in that first meeting, it's so obvious they're high conflict. You're looking at a minimum of a year and that's usually upwards of three to five years and you're looking at a minimum of a couple hundred thousand dollars and i've seen upwards of a couple million dollars the more traditional Hmm. day-to-day divorce six months is a very quick divorce even if it's an easy one and emotionally i think that's important for people to kind of catch up with the emotion of divorcing if you do it too quickly it can be dangerous sure um so there's a reason that there was always a cooling off period because people could run and get a quick divorce and make a mistake in even divorcing. Mm. Um, but the how much and how long question is always the number one question.
0: No, I just was trying to put a framework around, You know, your business is not um, what we call rinse and repeat. Um, right. So rinse and repeat business, is where we take an order for whatever the widget is or thing we're making and we do it again and again and again and again and again rinse and repeat great very attractive business because i say rinse and repeat i move on to the next customer find them Yours is a custom, our other part of our business, custom solutions, and right? yours is a custom solution, every despite time. that it's a divorce, it's a custom
1: solution every time. And God willing, we don't have frequent flyers. <laughs> I, do, I do have a couple of clients that I've done more than three, oh, but wow. that's that's not common. That's a mile so, high club. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so inevitably, I... Um, If i do my job well i've done it so that they don't come back for any cleanup or anything else it's all done and it's done well and i don't see them again so that's why again my model is kind of easy in that they send their friends because they knew that i put them first i didn't do the traditional divorce lawyer model where there's a lot of money to be made here I, i helped them get out of their own way and they felt seen and heard Okay. So you get your business by referrals. That was one question I had. And
0: then in the first five minutes, um, you know, we're always vetting customers too. At some point you're not having to take a customer. So what do you sniff out about those people that says this is going to be a good client?
1: So the ideal client um, comes in emotionally ready. If they're not, I have coaches who work with them to help them decide the right time. I say divorce is like fine wine. If you it a little too early it can be brutal but if you wait at the right time it can actually go pretty smoothly so i um if they're emotionally ready that's good if they are open and willing to be honest and truthful because inevitably the traditional divorce is about hiding things and lying and cheating and i can sniff them out Um, i don't like to work with them i won't work with them if i know they're lying i have an ethical obligation to withdraw so um, ideally, though, it's all about the emotion and being met ready emotionally. I don't have any financial thresholds or anything, but given my hourly rate, it tends to be people who can afford
0: that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, I don't know what what 50% of people get divorced
1: nowadays. Is it I think, I think higher yeah. north of 50? For sure, higher in, for second marriages, um, but first marriages, I think it hovers right around 50%. 50%. So.
0: It's funny. Every word you've used to describe this process has started and ended with emotion. Right. And um, you know, as you know, mothers, uh, we look forward to what'll make a good uh, arrange a marriage for our children. It, it it's funny to me. It's hitting me that this word emotion just keeps coming up. And I guess, no, not dissimilar to any business. Um, you know, when you have an emotionally sound founder, leader, manager. um, They're able to deal with the people issues, which is what, how this relates to our business so much is that, you know, every business is, you know, people and financing and the widget is what, Is different but really everybody it's also similar so I'm just wondering um, you know the the good old liberal arts education of having those psychology classes getting everybody that you're you know on your team you know emotionally ready to deal with business is something we just don't talk about but we do it is so interesting that you just keep using that word over and over and I think it's something to really ponder like are we as adults as you know mothers of young adult children getting our children emotionally ready for their next
1: very rarely are people equipped to handle marriage when they're marrying you know we went through a period where people waited many years people are marrying younger now there's a trend of people marrying in their 20s well i don't know about you but my brain certainly wasn't formed (laughs) or developed to a place of making a decision on a lifetime partner and I do believe strongly in the commitment of marriage and the vows. And so inevitably people think, oh, well, she's a divorce lawyer. It's, it's easy. I actually feel quite contrary personally. But people come to us with their problems and we have to help them through it. But I believe everybody who gets married, the Catholic Church was on to something when they made people go through yep. the, the exercise of pre-cana. If more people did that, I think we'd see fewer divorces.
0: Yeah, 100%. So if you were to start over today, had your law degree, would you continue practicing um,
1: divorce law or would you pick a different lane? No, I would definitely do this again. I probably would have um, fought less at the beginning. You know, I feel like, again, your brain's not quite formed that way. So it's just you're trained as a lawyer. You have to fight. You must fight to the death well in family law you simply can't there are no winners in family law you know inevitably people will say like did you win i'm like well sure i got a a whole lot of money but the relationship is devastated they'll never talk again Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and when we bring people in with a softer approach we talk about the day that they can stand together on the bema for their kids or they can dance together at their kids wedding at a minimum sit together at graduation you know Things like that that so many couples just simply can't do because they devastated one another in the divorce.
0: Yeah, it's powerful. I mean, I think that your, um, I think your roots, um, you know, your very downstate, wonderful um, way you grew up probably projects so much. Your values about really helping people and being in service are so like present to me when you talk about this stuff so not saying you know you've been all the success in the world that that's kind of a given um i think that what's really remarkable is you you do something that could be so that is probably in conflict with how you are as a person and yet you've changed the model Mm -hmm. so that it works uh for you as a person and that is super cool and as a business owner um i think that's the takeaway is like you've got to have your business that's got to be congruent with your own values Hundred percent. and if not change your business. So here you are saying, yeah, family law is what I do. I'd do it again, which is really cool. You're not saying I would pivot away, but I pivoted it so it
1: works and I can go home and sleep at night. Literally. That's my quote. I I sleep at night and I can look at my daughter and know that I did well. I did right by people that day and inevitably, um, I have a law firm of 55 lawyers, and if I can impart wisdom on them to practice similarly, I think we're very successful. We're the biggest family law firm in the country, and we do it the best.
0: Yeah, and and isn't that like, I mean, that's the whole reason we do this entrepreneurial journey at the end of the day is, is the give back. So, you know, you've got all the accolades. Um, but I think so critical when if 50% of people who marry are candidates, like if you couldn't spread into the world, you know, more love in that process, which isn't a very loving process. I feel, um, you know, you've really done good in the world and yes, all the law stuff gets done. That's a given. The differentiator, the business differentiator you've created is what you're doing. And that is what every business needs to find. How do I stand out? How many family law firms would there be in America? Oh, I can't
1: even imagine thousands. Thousands,
0: yeah. So, how do you stand out amongst thousands when you're a referral-based business, right? I did it. I do it differently. My clients get heard. So, I think the takeaway for all of us today is to really just take that lesson. You know, how do you um, practice your business in a way that matches your values? How do you uh, make sure that you know it's really something that is scalable and repeatable? And despite that, you've got custom solution business people are referring because it felt different than what their friends got at the country club. Exactly. And those are really, um, you know, those are the reasons you're so successful, Um, but I think for young entrepreneurs just to listen and hear that there are ways to do every single model differently.
1: 100%.
0: Okay, Beth, um, I'd love you just to spend a minute to talk to the entrepreneurs about prenuptials If you're going into a marriage and you own assets of a business or other, how would somebody think about that
1: in today's world?
0: So a prenuptial
1: agreement is often denied or declined by couples, or sometimes I'll have the families come to me and say, my son must have a prenuptial agreement to protect the family wealth as an example. And inevitably it's like, no, we are not doing a prenup. It just assumes we're getting divorced. We don't wanna do divorce planning. We haven't even started yet. So I, um, I like to bring in a team. Ideally, again, a coach is gonna help tease out what is it that we're really looking for. Everybody dies, not everybody divorces. So a prenuptial agreement is actually there to protect you in the event of death or when you die. What do you want your resources, where do you want them to be? It's the roadmap that goes alongside the estate plan for what's gonna happen after you die. That's a very common thing in second marriages when there are children from a first marriage, as an example. But in a prenuptial agreement done thoughtfully, you are teasing out what is the ultimate goal? What are your core values? What are your core goals? What do you want? Each of you separately. I've had unbelievable um, premarital agreement conversations with couples prior to their marriage. I've had people put their marriage on hold beautifully because Mm -hmm. they teased it all out. They thought about all the things they hadn't been thinking of by simply being asked questions. And then sometimes they've not gotten married again. That's a good thing, right? If they've determined their core values weren't aligned, isn't it great that they chose to move on? Um, I'm not in the business of separating people though, but I'm also in the business of helping people make the right decisions at the right time. So it's, back to what I was saying as far as it being an emotional conversation. Um, and then of course we get to, in the event of divorce, yeah. we tease out what might that look like? You know, if one person's giving up everything, i.e. their career or their business in order to be a spouse for another person, they can't do it all. You know, how are we going to make up for that? If I'm going to be, traditional in the, let's say a woman gave up her career in order to marry the guy who's the business owner. There has to be some concession if in the event of divorce, because she lost her whole trajectory of income power of her ability to earn all those years. So what financially could be done to make up for that? It's a hard conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So that will help lead them to many many conversations over dinner ideally that aren't billable hours but have them go off and have those conversations because those are hard ones
0: Uh, maybe the way to um, wrap your mind around it is um, somebody that's got assets and is young and, and getting what you really said is have you done enough thinking about this biggest decision of your life but as entrepreneurs we should also look to advisors, whether it's a, a lawyer, a coach, you know, doctor for health reasons, to say, have I done enough thinking about this thing I'm building? Is there a you know, a pit hole that you see, a pothole, a problem I'm gonna run into down the road? Maybe the answer is no.
1: That's right. But isn't
0: it great to be vetting that? So I think that I just hear that as such a valuable, you know, I went to precana, but those were the questions they asked and I felt like those were great things. Some I thought about, some I hadn't thought about. Go back and do the homework. And
1: I did not state the obvious. I have many couples who come for a a prenup and leave without one because they've talked it through. They both feel confident they don't need it. But, you know, I'm not there with a decision. They're making the decisions. All I can do is give them the tools. Yeah.
0: Beth, are there any um, folklores or other about gender and divorce that... uh, Are real or is all the hype I hear about one side wins and one side loses just hype?
1: Well, I would say it's just hype, but it's real for each individual who comes to me right there Everyone um, is concerned that they're gonna get hurt. We call it the Greek chorus Inevitably people are always yammering in their ear and I say well that cost you a lot of money to come to me To tell you what I told you three or four times so it's important for people to hear their friends and family, but they're all so biased and going to tell them what they want to hear. A good lawyer doesn't tell you what you want to hear. A Good lawyer tells you the law and how it's going to apply to your facts. So inevitably women feel that women always get screwed. Men always feel that they get screwed. And inevitably the system is not really effectively designed to help people decide, which is why I pull them out of the system, the legal system and sit at a table and talk through it and talk about their core values and their goals. Because inevitably, if you do that, couples are always aligned. 95% of the time, their ultimate goal is to preserve assets, have the children stay healthy, get this done as efficiently and effectively as possible. And at the end of that, if you feel you were screwed, well, you made the decision, a judge didn't impart it upon you. So the ultimate goal is for everybody to be heard no gender is getting um, screwed more than the other, uh, as we've evolved as women, thankfully, we are the business owners very often, mm-hmm. and inevitably we have to pay the same support that a man would have to pay if that's the way the facts line up. Yep. The dollars are the dollars, so it doesn't matter who earned them or who's spending them, it, the dollars are the dollars so beth we have
0: in common that um we both you know kind of sold our businesses upstream to bigger companies and when you um joined six years ago seven years ago you took your company and sold it to and you were the first female partner owner um inside of a very old law firm full of men how did you get that done
1: well interestingly it's in the legal field we don't sell our business we i am my business so I took my business, my smaller business, and took it into my current firm, Beerman, which was a, at the time a six-year-old law firm that or actually 55-year-old law firm that had never had a woman owner at the table. So I negotiate myself into the company and I'm bringing up issues that they had not even thought of. Wait, laptop computers for every human? Believe it or not, it was, it was unheard of. And I'm explaining to them, who does your laundry? Who does your grocery shopping? How does everything get done for you? The women were doing it. And now we have many, many female attorneys in the firm, but no owners. So I am now at the table with the men, helping them see the importance of valuing each person in the firm and meeting their needs so that they can be the best lawyer and the best mom and wife and everything else they are. But these men, never thought about that and the importance of meeting each employee where they are.
0: And how have you been able, I found it very frustrating in in my transaction to have to be teaching those conversations to such a big business. How have you been able to just bite the bullet and say,
1: you know, this is just my road to hoe? Well, again, they're great humans. It's not like they were lacking in any way other than they just had not thought of it. The employees were doing fine. They were producing just fine. But they were exhausted because you have to be so. You have to be in the office at such a such time. You have to be in court. You have to do everything. At the end of the day, they're spending a lot of money on help and nannies, etc. Well, the pay scale was such it just didn't make sense. So since I've been in my business, I there are now four women owners, and oh, cool. um, we continue to elevate every year because the women are producing and outproducing the men. That's awesome. I mean, the, I, I love the part that
0: you paved the way and now you're bringing um, people along. That's just so fabulous. You do not
1: kick the ladder behind you ever. Yep, yep, absolutely.
0: So Beth, I wanna go back to um, the financial model of your particular practice within the firm. Um, you are you know, having your clients sign up to not fight and that means that the trajectory is gonna be shorter by design, which means there's gonna be smaller fees. I know your partners
1: can't love that. (laughs) It is pretty funny. When I first came in, there were many questions about my model and how can I possibly bring in the income I do? Well, it goes back to I move them in and I move them out and they send their friends and ultimately I'm just as busy, if not more busy. But I also um, am able to help the client see the value of sitting in a room and talking rather than just heading to court and having a judge resolve everything. It's the same hourly rate whether you're in court or sitting at the bargaining table. So I'm able to help them see the value of sitting and talking to each other. And then ultimately, they pay my bill because they crafted their agreement. Not every client is happy to pay their divorce lawyer Mm -hmm. because no one had talked to them about the cost-benefit of each fight. Okay, so in essence, when a lawyer bills,
0: and I know this, it's not a guarantee that they're going to get paid in full. That's correct. So your model, which while it <clears throat> may be on a um, a different length of trajectory, you're basically guaranteeing that AR because correct. people feel like they got value. Right. Which I mean, as business owners, if you're not providing value, then your customer's going to you know trash talk you, or not pay, or they won't send referrals. Nothing good happens.
1: And the ultimate compliment is when the other side, I represent the man in the case and the woman sends me business because she knew I protected his best interests, but I didn't destroy her. Everyone walked away a winner to the extent they can.
0: That's awesome, what a story. Beth, thank you so much. Um, your um, sort of non-traditional business model in, in the Lady Boss podcast, which has a lot of entrepreneurs on, thought was so important for people to hear and really hear about how they can kind of step back and think 60,000 foot about their life their, um, you know, the merger or marriage that they're hopefully going to engage on. And what are all the questions you need to ask before you make that merger and really do that long-term life planning that we talk about so much. And hopefully nobody has to come see you. But I think that if they do, knowing that there are advisors and resources that look at things very differently is such a great part about, uh, the entrepreneurial journey is there's no one way to do it. And you've just shed light today on what is such an impactful way to, you know, start a new chapter, we'll call it in your family law and do it with such grace and humanity. So thanks for doing what you do and bringing that, uh, that exposure to us today.
1: Thank you for hearing me. It was an honor.